Hi everyone, it's Vicki with Tail Talk, and I know it's been quite a while since I've actually stopped in to say hi to everyone. I apologize for that, but you know, life has this incredibly crazy way of getting in the way, and well, gee, I'm sure I'm the only one who has experienced that. <laughs> I laugh in my own general direction. <laughs> anyway... Glad to be here with everyone, and I hope everyone is doing well with their wonderful four-footed friends. I always think about folks who are either dealing with retirement of their wonderful guides or who maybe have lost a guide recently, those who are about ready to go into class. I know of several folks whose adventure is about to begin shortly. I think of you, it's an exciting time, it's incredible, it's a lot of work. Every imaginable emotion swirling around in there, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it. So, I thought I would stop in today and talk with you all a little bit about a question that I have been asked for years. I trained with my first guide in June of 1978, and um, my first beautiful little black lab certainly taught me so much about life with a dog guide. We had our issues, um, but uh, and our, our working relationship was only three and a half years, but that three and a half years certainly very definitely broadened my horizons when it came to working with um, a guide. And I truly learned that this is something that I hope I can do for many, many years. And here I am at age 58, still actively working with a dog guide and couldn't be any happier about it. Hopefully there will be many more years of work for Astro and I, and maybe a subsequent dog or two, but, oh, I must cover Astro's ears. We mustn't discuss such things. <laughs> anyway, it's hard to believe that he and I have been a team for almost four months. And this particular question that I have been asked for years is, can one give their working guide a second job? Okay, it's not that long of a question, but it is certainly jam-packed with thought. So we're going to tackle this topic today, and I am going to do my best to outline what I have found are the areas or the questions that one must answer before deciding whether a second job is feasible for their working relationship. The first question is, can my dog handle a second job? Our dogs are quite amazing, and they have so much as far as their upbringing. They have so much experience already behind them from the work that the puppy raisers have done and then the instructors do in class. So there's already a pretty good indication that once we are matched and successfully complete our training with our dogs, that we have a dog that's probably got a great attitude and a willingness to learn. Now, 
uh, as anyone who has had dogs for any amount of time knows, our dogs, the instructors as they are going through the training are thinking about whom, who might be coming up in class and what those individuals need. And if, let's say, they've got five dogs and two look like they will be awesome city dogs and three look like they could do it but they might thrive better in a little bit of a different environment. So then this is where the matching process begins. Okay, so the questions that we must ask ourselves about our own specific dogs is how much stress does my dog face day to day? Do I work five days a week, six days a week? Is my commute... Uh, how long is my commute time? How much uh, public transportation do I do on an average, in an average week? Trains, buses, uh, do I, am I able to walk to work? These questions will help you to figure out uh, the stress level of what your dog goes through in a, in, in a daily basis. Um, stress, obviously the first and foremost uh, of importance is our dog's ability to be a great guide. I mean, that's why we got them. So if we feel that our dogs are handling our daily routine without too much in the way of stress, um, then the answer to this question is, yeah, I think my dog could conceivably handle a second job. How would we know if our dog is experiencing a lot of stress? This is a tough question to answer because every dog is so very different. I've had people tell me, oh my goodness, I get home from work and Schnoodlenitz just runs into the corner and sleeps all evening long. Okay, so I, I, I don't know too many people whose dogs do that. They usually want their dinner when they get home. <laughs> Um, but let's say this is something that somebody says. Well, then this might show you that your dog is at his or her max for stress. The dog steps up to the challenge, handles everything that's thrown at him or her in a daily basis. However, when he or she gets home, he or she is ready for the dog bed. Or in some cases, the regular bed. But I'm not mentioning any names. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, what if you get home from a long day's work, a lot of commuting, and your dog eats his dinner, and then in a little while comes to you with a toy, says, let's play, come on, I want to play, or maybe wants to go out for another another dog, another dog, another walk, I'll get this right, um, I want to go out for another dog too, maybe, <laughs> um, this might be an indication that your dog has the energy level to possibly handle a second job. So this is going to be an individual soul searching. Um, each person is going to have to evaluate, is this something my dog can do? My recommendation is to not make a decision like this in the first six months of a working relationship with your dog because, let's face it, we're still learning about our dogs. Astro and I have been together for almost four months, and I do feel like I know him well, but I'm sure that when you talk to me in about six more months, I'll have learned more about him. He's also learning about me. This is such an important time in our bond. Um, I do always think about folks who are just getting ready to start their adventure with a new dog guide. It's such an exciting time, but think of how crazy the emotions are. You have just about every imaginable emotion there is. Excitement, a little bit of fear, unsurety, 
hopefulness, apprehension, uh, you know, maybe a little sadness if you're retiring a dog or if you'd lost a dog. So there's a whole lot going into this. Um, your dog is going through a similar array of emotions. Um, I always keep a very open mind when people say, well, does your dog feel happiness? And uh, yeah, You know, it's obvious that our dogs feel an amazing array of emotions. And so we want to be a, a very sensitive to that. Um, so this, the question of can my dog handle more um, work has to be an individual answer. Once maybe you've decided that, yes, I think my dog has the ability to handle a second job, then the next question would be, well, what would that second job be? I have had several folks say, well, I would like to teach my dog to pick things up for me. In fact, I saw a video on this not too long ago. Um, the first thing in evaluating a second job is to make sure that that second job will not compromise the dog's ability to be an effective guide. So, if, in other words, taking a guide and teaching him or her how to be a tracker dog could present some problems. Uh, certainly, <laughs> I know in my class times, I've spent a bit of time correcting the distracted nose of my doggy who chooses to check out something on the ground that he or she should not have his or her nose into. So if then we introduce a second job that requires the dog to use his or her nose, <laughs> going to be a little bit confusing. <laughs> now, there are ways to change the dog's mindset on a second job. Taking the harness out of the equation and even changing the collar and leash. It's kind of like, okay, when you put on your bathing suit, it's obvious you're going swimming. When you're putting on a dress or a suit and tie, you're doing something a little more formal. This is kind of the same mindset for your dog. So if you would like to do something... Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not recommending that anyone take their guide dog and train him or her how to track. Um, not one of my top ideas for a second job for a dog. But I'm just using this as an illustration to say this is how you might actually be able to completely change the mindset of your dog to say, okay, when I am wearing these clothes, I do this job. When I'm wearing those clothes, I do that job. And with certain dogs, this can work very, very well. So once you've decided that it's a go on both questions, you know, yes, I think that my dog can do it a different job. Uh, it's it's um, and I think I can get it accomplished without compromising my dog's ability to be an effective guide. Let's decide now what that job is going to be. As I've said, a lot of folks have wanted their dogs to be able to pick things up for them. Okay, so can your dog learn how to retrieve items that you've dropped without becoming? A scavenger or becoming interested in picking things up on the ground as you work uh, in your environment. Again, it's going to be an individual thing and I've 
always I always warn folks. And this doesn't this holds true for any dog, whether it's a working dog of any kind or your household pet. If you start to see confusion or issues coming up that could conceivably be dangerous to your dog, you will want to cease and desist the training. Because the last thing we want to do is to put our dogs into a situation where he or she could get hurt. Picking things up can be very dangerous. The video that I watched was a, a person having the dog retrieve different items, some of which were medication, um, makeup, and a few other things that for me is not something I would want my dog to be actually picking up. What I would be inclined to do, as long as my hands and arms work okay, is to teach my dog how to point those things out. So if I should drop something, my dog will put his nose on the item so I can find it and pick it up. Now I realize that there are some folks who have issues with their hands and might find it necessary to have a dog to pick things up. So then, uh, this is a difficult one. The, the, some of the guide dog schools used to teach fetch. And um, when I first started training with the seeing eye, my dogs were all taught fetch. And we would practice in class with a glove, with a little dumbbell, and a set of keys. And I will not deny that it was, excuse me, yes, I do have a bit of a sinus issue here, which is why I sound a little bit like a toad. Um, <laughs> um, it was helpful if I dropped something for the dog to get it, but what was the most helpful is the dog finding the item I dropped. So for me, what I choose to do is a point out, because I don't want to take a chance of my dog accidentally breaking a bottle of medication where the lid could come off, I'm just not willing to take that kind of a chance with my dog. I am not going to tell someone else what to do. I know some folks have actually keep their more dangerous things in bags, like little Ziploc bags, and if they should drop it, the dog can grab the bag and pick it up. Uh, there are ways to make this activity a little more safer. Um, that would be one of them. Um... So it's a little more challenging. Uh, I always like to have a dog who's willing. Um, what I started to tell you before is there, you know, some of our dog guide schools have in the past trained fetch, but it was just too, too difficult on instructors' backs because they had to do what's known as force retrieve, which is teaching the dog, treating the fetch command as a command, not a, oh, I hope you'll do this. Um, <laughs> so it was tough on the instructor's uh, backs, and um, as importance of activity goes, it wasn't top on the list as far as order of importance for our working guide dogs. Like I said, though, I do love for my dogs to point things out to me. I can bend over, and I can pick things up. For those that cannot, this might be a worthwhile activity to explore. 
what other possible second jobs would there be? Well, <laughs> no, that was my email. That was not a door actual doorbell. <laughs> I like using that notification because if you do have a dog that wants to bark at the doorbell, that's a good way to desensitize. Um, I have had other friends put their dogs through different obedience exercises, either through AKC or some of the other kennel clubs across the country, or even internationally. Again, does the dog have the energy level to do a different type of obedience routine? And will that dog be safe while doing said obedience routine? These will be questions that you will have to answer for your specific situation. Some of those um, routines do involve a dog being off-leash. This is something that I really caution people about. You must know your environment and um, you must know uh, if your dog is loose, is your dog still contained? Um, again, to do this type, you must really know what you're doing. Um, but I have had friends put their dogs through a companion dog and a companion dog excellent through AKC. Um, and not a lot. I haven't had too many friends do this, but the ones that did knew their dogs well, knew their dogs could do it. Again, they changed the leash. They changed the collar. Um, and they, they had a lot of fun working with the dog in this particular area. Now, at, when I began to train individuals at my school in Cleveland, Ohio, I had a beautiful male Sherpa, Sherman Jeopard, be, Sherpin Jeopard, I can talk, German Shepherd named Orion. And Orion was that type of dog that could handle a second job. So he became my demonstration dog for obedience. Now, he was already quite well obedience trained by the seeing eye, but he was a very motivated worker. He loved it, and he would sit like a prince and look at me, and I would tell him down, and he would flatten to the floor and even roll over on his back to get his tummy rubbed. So he was a very happy obedience worker. So changed his leash, changed his uh, collar, and we did lots of different type of obedience, not just heel and down and rest, and come, but we did stand, we did um, different obedience exercises, recall, drop on recall, which is if you call the dog back to you and then before he gets to you, you tell him to lay down and they have to stop and drop to the ground. Um, healing exercises, uh, figure eight, all kinds of fun things, and he loved it. He was so good at it. And he was great. He was a great demonstration dog for what I taught in my classes. One more job that we're going to talk about, and this is, again, one that's very, very serious. I have been constantly asked since I got my first dog, will your dog protect you if something should happen? Dogs, we, as we all know, uh, anyone who has a guide or anyone who has been involved at all with the dog guide movement, if a dog shows too much protectiveness, he or she will be career changed. Um, because of the general public situation that we often find ourselves in, we cannot have a dog that would trigger on either being stepped on or bumped if you're bumped into. We cannot have a dog that would perceive those things as a, as a threat because it would, could potentially be detrimental to the dog, to, to the person. 
So our dogs must be very, very tolerant. So doing any kind of protection training can change that big time. Can it be done? Yes, it can. But in the umpteen billion years that I have been a dog guide handler, I only know of one dog that has done it successfully. And that dog was a dog that was being handled by a person who knew exactly what they were doing. That person never had one ounce of problem with that dog, knowing the difference between guide work and protection. The protection was very low-key, and it, it was very secondary to the guide work. I am not in any way... Oh, I just got attacked by a jeopard. I am not in any way recommending that one train their dog guide in protection. What I will say to you about protection in general is that when you have a happy, confident, well-adjusted dog guide, there is every likelihood that if you would ever find yourself in a dangerous situation, that your dog would probably stand up for you. I know of some stories, I've had a few of my own, where this has been the case. I will finish up by saying, whatever you do with your dogs, please put very serious thought as to your safety, your dog's safety, and the overall outcome of what you're hoping to accomplish. Right now, there's a certain German Shepherd that would like me to throw this ball. This ball is a clutch ball, and I love this thing. It's soft, but it has like built-in little handles all around it so I can grab a hold of it. It has a squeaker that's not too terribly annoying, and my dog loves it. <laughs> Thought I would describe that since I had it in my hand. Um, you can get them from, I have to say this really quietly, you can get them from Amazon. Um, it's no, I just asked for clutch ball, and it's a seven inch red clutch ball. Love it. My dog, if your dogs love to play with a ball, they will love this. Um, <laughs> so, in conclusion, knowing the job that you're going to try to teach your dog making sure that it does not compromise your dog's job as a guide, that that is always number one. And if you should see any contraproductive behavior, the training should stop immediately. Because no matter what, our wonderful guides are our guides first, and then something else would be secondary. I hope everyone is doing well. Please give your friendly four-footed friends, dogs, kitties, birdies. Oh, they only have two feet. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, animals. Give them a loving from Astro and me. And until next time, this is Vicki from Tail Talk. And God bless you.